Welcome to the Expandable Mind podcast, where I speak to creators, entrepreneurs, and experts in their field about concepts and topics that not only intrigue me, but adds a sense of purpose and value to everyday life. I am Vayanaki, your host on the Expandable Mind podcast, and in this episode, I speak to Chinezi Chijioke. We will be speaking about his remarkable yet inspiring journey, scaling a business and leadership. Chinezi is the co-founder and CEO of Nova Pioneer Education Group, a network of accessible 21st century private schools across Africa. Chinezi started his career as a secondary school mathematics teacher, where he was nominated by his student to be who's who of American teachers. Prior to founding Nova Pioneer, he led McKinsey & Company's African Education Practice and co-authored McKinsey's 2010 Global Education Report, How the World's Best School Systems Keep Getting Better. He currently serves on the Global Advisory Council of Teach for All. Chinezi, why don't we get started by you telling us your story of how you became this man with a mission? Well, I, I'll, I'll tell you a short version of the story. I guess what's most important is that I've always, um, it's always been, a, it was always a dream of mine, or lo- and I say always since I was 13, to find a way to open uh, schools across, across um, where I called home, initially Nigeria, but all, all across the continent. And obviously blessed to be doing that now. And, and the story of, and that really came from when I, I moved from being a student in Nigeria at that point, where my father's from and where I'm from, to being a student in the U.S., where my mother's from and other part of my family's from. And sort of recognizing then just what the incre- incredible potential would be of connecting the caliber of my peers, where that I grew up with in Nigeria, with uh, the caliber of institution. Uh, I was now uh, getting to experience in the U.S. and thinking about, and potentially even more, and just thinking about this tremendous opportunity. I got really excited about this idea of creating institutions and environments where young people could just thrive, where the the incredible talent and capacity and drive and sincerity um, of young Africans could just unleash itself, and what that could mean for for them, for our countries, for our continent, for the world. And so that's that's that is you know I've just been driven by just really excitement around that and I've been, I've been a teacher because I wanted to learn about teaching and learning and I loved it. I've been a consultant in education because I wanted to learn about growing enterprises and about sort of macro and education systems and I enjoyed it and I learned a lot and grew from it. And then I I've been part of a team that's been really fortunate to found Nova Pioneer and to build institutions where remarkable remarkable young innovators and leaders such as yourself, Fahin, are are both not just preparing themselves to shape the world, but are doing things to shape it right now as we're doing through this conversation. So that's been sort of the, the, the golden professional thread through my life and, and been sort of a case of finding and following purpose. For, yeah, for, that for sounds great. Um, I like the mission. It's already started at 13 years old, so it's been brewing up in you. Um, it sounds, <laughs> I, I yeah. don't know, like, you know, like those rising up stories that something that just starts building up, it's like, in a movie that you got your you had the climax all of a sudden like it's that type of story that you got here and <laughs> well it's funny I, I'd almost characterize that you know you know yeah. one of our culture principles is always growing and so I think one of my learnings is just this always growing if I, I'm we're all unfinished you know and there's always a new chapters and we always sort of grow and learn along the way but um, on the one hand life is short and on the other hand life is really long and if one is incrementally growing each month, each year, um, is just, uh, it's tremendous how, how that can accumulate 
in terms of uh, our capacity to, to do yeah, interesting and things. And the reason why I named my little business, online business, or whatever you call this at the moment, um, at right now it's just, just the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I say just the podcast. But the expand mind is kind of influenced indirectly or maybe directly. I, I really don't know. Um, but being at Nova, it opened my horizons to a lot of things. I wouldn't be able to do this. Tell me six years ago, I wouldn't be able to do something like this. Um, and embracing your fears would is something that I'm still working on, but Nova's allowed me. It's put me out there. It's like, you've conquered. You you have the ability. There's a lot of people are going to judge you, something that we all go through in life. But at the same time, you must satisfy your curiosity. Your curiosity is more important than judging. Um, hence, the expandable mind. Um, and well, one of the things I love about the, the name, the expandable mind, that word expandable, it, it implicit in it, it, implicit in it is the kind of like the universe, the never-ending expand, expandable possibility. And I, I recall, um, I was a, among other things, I was a wrestler in high school. So I used to, one of the sports I competed in was wrestling. And I remember one of my reflections from wrestling and from soccer, I was also a soccer player. One thing I, I remember was that um, I, 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 one of my discoveries or sort of reflections was that we are far more often constrained by our own minds, by what we imagine to be our own limits, than by any real physical or capacity or external limits to what we can do. We are much more often constrained by what we imagine is possible, by how we see ourselves and how we see what the limits of what we could be are. And so the idea of an expandable mind, I love it because it's, that's the whole point is if you keep stepping towards it, 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 the possibilities just get wider and bigger. And um, the idea that you sort of take one step, you start the podcast, you, th- you learn from it, you think about it, you, you, you have an intention that it's, it's a business that contributes and does really well, and you see new possibilities, it opens up, it's sort of the mind expands, the world expands. And so um, if uh, implicit in the name expandable is this sort of infinite possibility that I really um, believe exists uh, if we just accept that that's the case yeah, and work towards it you know it was such such a weird way the podcast came up it was through a walk and that that's where i can kind of like came upon upon the idea it's just like when you're 13 years old how did you actually mm. know that you wanted to do um you wanted to be in the education sector and you knew that something was different i i heard this already that craving in like the craving curiosity to find out more what is lacking how do i improve it how do i become how do i educate other people uh how do i fill the market basically that's the business term yeah really interesting i mean like my my advice is is you don't have to know the exact form it's going to take now but if you find if if you can identify if you can get interested in in things not just one thing but multiple things I got really interested. I, 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 I can describe the evening on a playground in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, when I just got really interested and got excited. I, you know, at that time I was thinking about um, after-school programs and youth talent camps and universities. And I, but just the idea of man, my peers uh, with re, with opportunities, sort of in an environment that's enabled the, to us to unleash our talent. How exciting would that be? Now that's not very. If you, that's not very concrete yet. That's not saying, okay, I have a business plan or I have a, a development strategy. But over the next several years, I, you know, at sometimes I thought about schools. I have sketches in my, in my trunk from when I was 16, 17 that were 
sketches of what the school premises would look like. I have other, I, when I was in business school, I had I developed a business plan. I did a course that was around sports academies, West African sports academies, I called them at the time. I, this has taken different forms. I worked as a consultant for a while, uh, and I worked as, uh, in, a, in a group. Um, first, I worked in something called Africa.com, which was a sort of internet in Africa, and then I was working in, in, um, in a database consulting firm, and I didn't feel really at the core, of, uh, close to what I wanted to do. So I spoke to a mentor, and, and he gave me, um, he was, because I could answer the question, what am I interested in? What am I passionate about? Mm. He was able to give me good advice. So my advice would be uh, to, if you find things that are really interesting or curious, to, 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 to get interested in stuff, and then to sort of just imagine it, start to work towards it, try different things, apprentice in different ways, start things like this podcast and use, the, use it as an opportunity to talk to a lot of different folks. But it's those interests, when pursued with a creative and active mind, um, then will manifest into, yeah, the, the enterprise and the business plan. And those things are really just uh, manifestations of, of uh, ideas that are hopefully rigorously shaped. Because it's the idea that are rigorously shaped and then executed upon that makes, that makes, um, yeah. uh, makes the difference. What, one more thing I'll say, just I, I know it's a bit of a long response, but one more thing I'll say is then at some point, as you're doing now, but you'll do it maybe multiple times over the course of your life, is actually in the doing. Um, you know, the difference between uh, entre- folks who build uh, enterprises that work and folks who wish they had yes. built something, <laughs> whether it's enterprise or any other initiative, yes. is that they tried. They actually did it. Um, in my life, I've had probably 15 ideas and I've followed two. And those two have inevitably, because we work at them, become something, whether, you know, as more or less successful. But, um, but um, it, the, the 13 other things might have been really interesting ideas too, but I didn't, I didn't do anything about it, right? And so uh, it, it's, it's sort of 30% in the idea and 70% in the, or 10% in the idea and 90% in the doing of it that one actually gets to build. Yeah, build and it sounds like you're a natural entrepreneur from from already that time. You started you, at 17 years old, you're already sketch, sketching what your mm-hmm. school grounds are going to look like. Now that's impressive, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you, and you say you still have those there. Do you, have you framed them or do you keep them with you like as like a, a motivation force? <laughs> You know, they're, they're in a trunk somewhere. Uh, I, I occasionally go back and it's funny. I, I find myself, I more often go back and look at um, like diary entries I, I wrote when I was, you know, 14 or 15. I've looked at, I've looked at those plans once in a while. Um, they're, they're, they're interesting and fun, but, um, but no, I, I don't, they're not, they're, one day I'll have to figure out what to do with all these um, artifacts. Maybe she created <laughs> like, you know, you know, like the, the history cabinet or something that you put it as like the monumental cabinet of how the dream came alive. Basically that would, that would be really cool. Um, and I think like students would love, that's why I'm, the podcast revolves around your journey. Your students of Nova Pania would love to know your story. Mm. And mm. how did your childhood? So you've spoken mm. about being 13, you've been in sports, you've been, in, um, you've been in, uh, should I say encouraged or being, faced by sports uh you've seen different uh, educational viewpoints you could put it like that um how did that shape this vision um especially since you've been to uh, prestige education um tertiary educations like harvard stanford how, how does that shaped your viewpoint yeah. of nova Pania? <clears throat> Well, I, I, so let me sort of speak about this in three chapters. There's like early childhood, and I think early childhood, I think there are a couple of things that my mother in particular, but also my father did through the examples. The first was that my mother, um, uh, ne- the roles and the expectations they gave us set up were, were never constraining. Uh, 
So it was never that she needs your job at home is to do one thing or, or particularly never gender constraining, you know? So for example, um, the rules, whether all, all the, like we did all the domestic chores, no matter what they were, we did all the, um, well, at the same time, we, I, I baked and I sold my, the cakes. Uh, we had mangoes in our, in our yard. My brothers and I pluck them and we go sell them. This is an unsuka. I liked Christmas caroling just as much as I liked um, playing soccer. Like you know, there was never this idea that you could only be, be one kind of kid. You could, I could be, you know, I, I felt I could be interested in lots of things and there wasn't an expectation specifically of what in that, that pigeonholed me in any way. And I think that was really great because it, it enabled me to, to really d- define what I was interested in and go pursue it. And then the second example, also, also as a childhood, I think is both my parents, but particularly my dad, sort of lived a life uh, of real sort of uh, service. And he was a professor and scholarship, but he was sort of this ethic that he was, he's, a, he's, a, yeah. he's a nation builder, you know, sort of in Nigeria. And that was sort of his, he's like, he built, he started a, a university, the Institute of Management Technology, interestingly enough. And he was part of early faculties in multiple universities. And one of, part of the early faculty, one of the first, the University of Nigeria, one of the first the wow. first holy Nigerian university. And so he'd always been someone whose life uh, was, uh, you know, he marshaled his talents towards nation building. And so somehow I think that example sort of created a kind of implicit assumption about the, uh, the purpose, the, trying to be purposeful about how we uh, use our time. So I think that was quite early and that's childhood. And that's not, that's not about school necessarily. That's about early childhood learning from, from home. Then middle years, I think in, 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 um, in high school, I think the kind of things you mentioned, sports and and uh, the, all, all of it, all of it, I think stayed curious. I think what I probably got most from the sports you mentioned was just the idea that um, if you work hard and take a leap of, if you take a leap of faith towards something you, you consider meaningful and you work hard at it, um, it inevitably leads to really, really imp- to growth and to and and to outcomes that were you may not have been exactly what you imagined or were going after, but were pretty good. So I think about you know winning championships in our soccer team, or you know starting as a wrestler who really had never wrestled before, and then uh, sort of being able to compete in state and national championships. Like you don't do that by you do that by sort of taking a leap of faith, say I'm going to work hard at it. And we worked really really hard in those teams. Similarly in in, in academics and in sports, uh, in academics rather. Sorry, I think I think that I probably learned most from my high school experience was that the idea of taking a leap of faith towards something um, that is uh, meaningful to you, hard, and working hard at it. And not and if you don't get exactly that thing, it's okay. Like that's not that's not uh, that's not failure in its bad sense. You know, that is the sort of constant learning, but it inevitably takes you somewhere interesting and good and you grow. It's actually the growth that really matters, right? So that that's what I learned from from high school. That's just that take a leap of faith and work really hard at it. Right. And then the um, from the th- third part, which you mentioned some of the institutions like Harvard and Stanford, which are more like my university and graduate school, uh, learned a lot, gained a lot of friendships and so on as well there to learn a lot in terms of my academic preparation, my scholarship and so on. But I think I le- um, that what those did is those opened up a much broader sense of possibilities for me uh, in terms of a sense of imagining myself anywhere in the world, um, uh, a sense of a network, a sense of, of, of potential uh access if I work towards it. So I think, uh, I think those institutions in some ways then became good conduits to, for, for how I pursue the possibility and not just sort of my own self-growth, but sort of connecting me a bit more into the world. So probably those three chapters, uh, uh, different, different yeah, stages. That's brilliant. Of, of you, you've spoken about, about quite a few things and 
I've spoken in other podcast episodes with other guests and I think you embody all of them like you've condensed them into your life chapter um into three chapters actually um and my question would be a little bit of a selfish question or I don't know would you ever consider writing a book because it sounds like an amazing story how you've built it up and how how passionate you were about education and building it up forward and following that path it because I I think your parents had a great influence on your in in your education journey like they like were always diverse minded if that's if that's a if that's a term i can use because uh and and i think yeah. a lot of parents out there the audience that listens to this if if your parents are very diverse in the way they think and mr jioke you can probably um mm-hmm. agree on this but if your parents are diverse in the way they think and they're not con- uh, putting a limit or constraining you in the way you think so oh you must be a doctor because this person here you're going to be rich and they're focusing on the money aspects instead of the meaningful aspects um and mm-hmm. I, i read a book by paul millard mm-hmm. and we've I had, had him on the podcast as well about finding meaningful work and it sounds like you've actually found that meaningful work but my question would be how 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 in the future are you planning on sustaining this meaningful work what is your what is how how have you guaranteed that to yourself yeah i love how you started and ended that question because my my sort of reflection the question of you know, would i write a book was i don't really think about, i haven't really thought about that because i'm you know it uh, Because I'm very much focused on what, what uh, the opportunities to build and grow and learn. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm maybe halfway through the story, you know, and so in, in my life, and so I, I know I, when I just recapped three chapters of just my edu- formal education, and then I've had just as much time in work and learning, and I've, I've grown tremendously and learned tremendously from that, and I'm looking forward to the next, you know. 30, 40, 50 years of, of learning and growth and contribution. And it will shape, and I hope I move gracefully into the different stages of my life going forward. But there's so, to, your, to your point, there's so much more ahead in terms of learning and growth, and I'm excited about it. And in fact, one of my reflections, I think I've become more, um, I'm going to call, say two things that are sort of uh, uh, potentially contrasting. One is I think one of the real blessings has been what you said. I was, I've been quite early to find, I was quite early to find something I was passionately purposeful about, and I've been able to pursue that and build a mm-hmm. path on that. And that's been great. And I have, um, and we could talk about um, where one find, how one, how a young person could think about locating purpose, right? And I do have some thoughts on that. I could share, we could talk about that. But that's sort of finding purpose. But the other part of it is staying open and staying curious. So you can find that and pursue it, but don't close yourself off to it. And in fact, if there's any sort of advice I'd give myself earlier, it'd be, yeah. while you're doing that, stay interested. Because people who are interested are interesting. And new ideas, and actually the creativity comes from the combining of different things. A Steve Jobs who combines technology and calligraphy yes. to create fonts. Like that is like, the, like the, the creative nexus of different things. So you have to stay interested. And one of the things I'm learning now is while I'm, you know, for example, deeply passionate about Nova Pioneer and continue to grow Nova Pioneer, is like how do I continue to learn and grow and stay curious and think about what it is my contribution can, 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 can be and how I can learn and grow. So being able to do both those things, you know, locate purpose, work on it, pursue it, and stay broadly interested and curious. Um, I, I, I think about some of the people who I know to be sort of polymath, curios, polymaths, nice. because they are curious, and they are incredibly dynamic. And so, um, yeah, those would be sort of 
when I look to, to then come to the end of your question, like looking forward, I'm, I'm just looking forward to embracing the curiosity. Throughout, throughout I like that. Um, and yeah, you mentioned about Absolutely. passion for students finding their passion. Please, by, by all means, expand upon that. Um, I don't want to forget the question. Sure. I mean, I, I think that purpose is located at the intersection of problems worth solving and things you are, you know, uh, passionate about, right? So you're interested in. So uh, problems, and I start with things you're interested in. Like start something there. Like what's something that's really interesting? Like where do you, when you're reading, I, I used to read the, I used to find it would take me a long time to read like a page in, a, in let's, I don't know, pick a textbook. I'm not going to name a subject because I don't, like I should have yeah. been more curious in all the subjects, you know? But like, you know, there's some things that would take me a while to read. A book might take me a while to read. And I would read through the sports page and in a sports, the whole sports section of the newspaper and fifth, you know, just sit down, get through it, cram it. And every statistic would like stick, stick in my mind. Right. And it's an indication. I love autobiographies. I find myself just reading through autobiographies and this other kind of book, I'd, I'd sort of get 20 pages in and I'd not pick up again. And it's a good signal to say, wow, that's something really interesting. You're really interested in people's stories. That's, that's a signal. Think about things that are potentially interesting. I obviously education was something that was interesting for me. And when you, as you cultivate um, Tony Wagner has this book uh, called Creating Innovators, and it talks about the progression from play to passion to purpose. So, and particularly in one's teens, one is in a milieu where one is often th- discovering and think about things about what you're passionate about. Perfect time for it. Like do that and through college, like pursue, stay interested and, and, and try to try to find things like, that, that excite you and move you and ideas that move you and professors that, excite, that, that get you really interested in sort of that's the passion world. And as you're doing that, use that to solve and identify how can that solve problems that are worth solving. So if you're going to find a problem that's worth solving, then um, then that's then those that becomes purposeful. Now you can apply something you're passionate about towards something that makes a difference. That's yes. purpose. That overlap right there. Yes. So if you do Venn diagrams in math, right, the, the circle that is your passion and the circle that is a, a problem worth solving, that overlap mm. is purposefulness, right? Then the last one, the third one, if you're going to do it, you know, if you sort of want to pursue it almost like an enterprise, is like, can it be done in a way that is, uh, when I say profitable, I don't mean Facebook and, uh, you know, uh, yes. I don't know, FMB <laughs> profitable. It could be. It doesn't have to be. But I mean, um, uh, it, it's, it's sustaining. It can generate, it can support itself in some way, or there's a mechanism for it to, to, to implement it. And that's a, that just takes some problem solving. Say, how do I manifest it in a way that is practical? Right, and it, that that can actually be applied and can sustain itself. And then, if you can bring that that third circle, that middle overlap is is yes. like pursue it. Right, I'm using way too many P's. Passion um, uh, with with problems worth solving creates purpose. If you can find a practical or profitable way to pursue it, then you pursue it. And and there's just tremendous. Maybe last P I'll throw in there's potential in that overlap of three of three circles. Right, that that's that intersection of those three mm-hmm. three circles. That Venn diagram is a uh, has tremendous uh, potential, tremendous possibility, and would encourage yeah, folks and, to, to, to pursue And it. how do you use, uh, so you found purpose and so forth. How do you use it? So you've been CEO of Nova Pioneer for the past eight years. What does that, how do you use it in, in a day? How do you use, like, keep that mental, uh, keep that in your mental toolbox so that the, P, uh, the different P's, purpose and so yeah. forth. How do you keep it in your mental toolbox? Well, it's very practical how, how we it, it, it guides what we do. So we um, we call ourselves a, a, a for-profit, for-purpose enterprise. We exist for a purpose. 
being a for-profit enterprise is just the mechanism by which we earn the rights to, ca to get capital to pursue our purpose, which is the education of innovators and leaders who will shape the African century. So our purpose is our mission. That's why we exist. Without it, like yes. we wouldn't be doing this, right? And that's why we do it. Now, we're for-profit because that, that's a practical way to earn the capital to pour into our purpose, right? So it's a solution for, because it's otherwise very hard to scale. And part of our mission is to scale so that we can, so that uh, 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 no such as yourself and such as my daughter, as you're pursuing things through life, you can have a tremendously wide alumni network, a peer, net, peer alumni network to tap into. There's a little social capital on, we, I want that for you, right? I want you to have access to that. And so the for-profit for purpose is fundamentally, and when I speak, when I speak to teammates, or I speak to speak with investors or what, we describe ourselves in that same consistent way. Then in terms of more practical, in terms of leading the organization, we have something called our teammate value, teammate value proposition. And um, it's basically it's how we think about why one would be part of this journey. And the, the foundational element is what we call uh, yes. mission alignment, purpose alignment. So the very first session, we, I just did a, I just did a, a profession, led a, a PD session, professional development session with some of our, our teammates uh, two weeks ago. And the very first anchoring session in that, and some of the other, other training programs, is, is a session in which we talk about, the first question isn't, what is Nova Pioneer doing? The first question is, what, what do you find meaningful? T think about times when you felt really motivated and energized in your life. Think about times when you felt excited about the work you're doing. Or oh, even it's not work, about, about what, or think about your 100th birthday and, and your best friends speak about you. I, I've done this, I've, I've run this exercise with a grade 11 sometimes. Um, what do they say about you in your 100th birthday? Well, write your own, uh, write, write what will be said about your own funeral, yeah. right? What do you hope that will be? It starts with, what do you find meaningful? Then we ask, here is Nova Pioneer's mission. Where do you see the overlap between what you find purposeful and Nova Pioneer's mission? And when you, and as a student, what do you find? What do you find that in our vision of Nova Pioneer? Where do you find that overlap? Because when you find that overlap, there's mm. tremendous power and because then, then you pursuing your mission is the organization pursuing its mission, and there's wind in your sails. And when you don't, if if you can't find that overlap, then it's not a good match because either you or the organization is compromising. So this finds its way very much into our training programs, into our, our sessions, into and and it's the foundation before you even get to our culture principles, before you even get to uh, compensation structures, before you even get to growth pathways, before you even get to what to expect from a manager, manager relationship. Before you get to those technical aspects of value proposition, the foundation is, uh, do we find fits between purpose, personal purpose and organizational purpose? And if we do, um, there is, a, I mean, we can activate that. Then I think uh, that's a big part of, of what, it, what it means to be an engineer, whether it's as a okay. colleague. Or yeah, that, that sounds really great. You've you've managed to do this and I, I, I'm not in the business. I, I'm not in the business field and so forth. I focus on the curiosity side of things, but it sounds like you've managed to differentiate the different levels in the organization and you prioritize in the beginning. Finding your purpose is the ultimate uh, point of view because if you find your perp personal purpose, you'll be able to, um, should I say, mix it or... Um, I, I don't know, support the organizational. Combine it, find yeah. the synergy. Um, yeah. And then it comes to, and, and I read an article a few weeks ago about the different levels and so forth. And I, I never heard you mm. heard you actually say this, whether you've talked talk to us in person, come to Nova Pioneer Monday campus and you've spoken to us or something like that. You never define yourself as the CEO or the co-founder or anything like that. It sounds like you 
you you have a big importance on yes there is titles but the more important thing is fulfilling a purpose and a mission rather than categorizing ourselves by uh, by a title because the title can be anybody's type of thing yeah yeah certainly than titles I, I mean the um I talked about sort of that overlap between you know personal purpose and organizational purpose as the foundation of the sort of the, stru- the, mm. the starting point for a journey as an engineer. I, I don't know that it's the most important. I'm not saying this is the most important. I think the alignment to our culture principles, certainly having the skills and feeling like one is being developed, all those things are hugely important. So I'm not saying it's the most important, but it's certainly the f- foundation. It's it, you know the rest rests, everything else rests on it, and it's the starting point. I, I don't have a point of view on what's the most important, but I think it's a start, starting point. But to the point of like formal formal roles and titles, I mean, I, I think there's it's important to organize responsibilities. I think they're important for creating like pa- career pathways for having. Uh, it's important for me be able to you know, it's, as a student, you when you're learning, you want to. Uh, there's something called your zone of proximal yes. development (ZPD), the sort of academic academic literature. But it's you want to always be the way I think about it is stretched beyond comfort, yes. but before despair. Right? You don't want to be comfortable because then you're not really growing. But you don't want to be desperate because then you're not really learning either. It's, you know, mm-hmm. Then you feel at risk and in danger. You want to be in that in that like stretch, that ZPD. That's not just a student reality. That's all of us reality. Like we all want to be stretched, and we all should be stretched. Then we are constantly growing. So when I think about it, like the roles, hopefully, are roles that allow me to align my stretch into my to my responsibilities. So like I'm being stretched, I'm growing, and the roles help define accountabilities, and and that's they're they're important for clarity and organizing okay. uh, effectively, but really important, and this is where our culture principle of servant leadership comes in, is roles define our responsibility of service towards others in the organization before they define our responsibility of direction, if I could put it that way, right? A, a, a leader is, like we talk about servant leaders, not bosses, a Nova pioneer, and I hope Novaneer students will sort of, that difference between a leader who's there to, like a, a president who's there to serve their country and a president who's there to overlord their country, that difference is so much of the potential and the tragedy that we've experienced on this continent over the past, yes. you know, 50, 100 years, right? So that framing for Novenir is about, you know, that title is a responsibility. It's not, uh, it's not, and it's not, it's not a, uh, I, I don't know the right word, but it doesn't make you a yes. boss. It makes you a servant leader. And if you can frame it that way, if you if you if it gives you obligation to help others be successful, fantastic. If you think it gives you license more than that, then we've. No, I love. Uh, I think I'm taken back by those words. It's like the motivational speech that you always look for, mm-hmm. um, and I've got it like in person here. Um, <laughs> yeah, and and you spoke about proximal development. <laughs> I've learned that in my A level English syllabus. So. Uh, we actually spoke about that in from Vygotsky's theory <laughs> awesome. of language development and so forth. And yeah, yeah so I can totally relate on that. Yeah. Uh, but you spoke about a leader as well. And what is your definition of a leader? Yeah. Um, it's a good one because I have different types of leaders, but I think ultimately leading, mm. maybe more than leader, because we all can be leaders. But I think leading is um finding ways to mobilize collective effort towards a common positive purpose and a positive purpose i think there's ethics involved in leadership but if you can and you don't whether you're the face of it or not the face of it or you're mobilizing different ways but finding mobilized uh, mobilizing 
and it's a collective effort. So collective means more than just mine, and 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 then effort. Uh, it doesn't. It can mean people, but it could also mean capital. It could mean uh, resources. So mobilizing collective effort and resources towards achieving a positive is that's leadership. Um, and the way to do it, I think, is and it really, if you think about it that way, then you're problem solving. Like, uh, how do I help others more more effective? Let me make it very granular, very uh, simple example. When I have a to do list. When I, I sit down often on a Saturday and I write my to-do list, and I'll, so I know that from Sunday, I know I've, I've got some work to do and I've got the work for the week ahead. And when I look at my to-do list on Sunday and I sit down to work on it, I try to knock off the things first where others are waiting for input from me in some way. Because if, if I do that, I'm clearing the way for others to progress and, and get their work done and be successful. And then I can come back to the time and things that are that are my responsibilities for which others are not yet dependent on me on immediately. So, but if I did it the other way around, I may be getting things done that are on my agenda, but I'm actually holding back others. So it my role, I need to make sure I am doing my best to provide the input as quick as quickly as I can and as clearly as I can so others can yeah. can go about work. Now that's a very like mundane practical example. But, but it is an important aspect. Like when you're leading, you have to be problem solving and say, how do I help others be more successful? Uh, because their success is our collective success. And then how do I make sure I'm given the, you could call it strategic direction, but the trying to help us collectively figure out a way to make choices that prioritize things that really get most of it, like get achieve our mission. So for example, there's always more and more things. Like I could think of so many things I'd love for our schools to be able to do and, and offer and and, and all of them sound interesting and, 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 and individually possible, right? But we can't do all of them. And I, we've often got to lead, lead conversation and lead thinking and even discipline myself to say, what's most going to achieve, what's most going to enable our, our, our students to, 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 to have excellent outcomes and experience that, make, that develop into innovators and leaders? And if we can, we have to make choices. Um, and sometimes they're tough choices. And when you do it, but part of my job is to, again, that's positive, uh, that's positive outcome. So leading, I think, is... Again, um, I haven't used this definition before, so I really appreciate you asking the question because it forces me to put an articulation towards it. But it's uh, being able to mobilize collective action and resources towards achieving a positive purpose. Okay, I like I like the collective part how you've expanded upon it um, because leadership. I I've, I believe that it starts all at at home and so forth. Um, but how you you spoke about like how you've uh, how your parents actually like motivated you and diversified your vision of education so how have you um kind of influenced your family so your daughter your wife how do you en- en- encourage them to actually take part in this leadership type of uh the the concept of leadership where where does it start for you at home yeah i really love your reframe as it being family because that that too is uh collective energy and resources towards something pur- positive and purposeful, which is sort of uh, our growth and learning, our spirituality and our, and our daughter's uh, success and, and happiness in, in life, if I think about that. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I think it is it, um, throughout it, we have to learn. So we have regularly have conversations, you know, about, uh, for example, what we care about, what's important to us, very much have listening ears to try to try to uh, eyes and ears to understand and observe and listen to what um, my daughter is passionate about, interested in, curious about. Uh, to try to figure out how we can serve her development without, uh, while we certainly can play a role in providing advice and guidance, we also have to have, you know, have a, a, a former board member and good good uh, friend now um, 
who said, who often was often uh, saying, you know, God's given us two ears and one mouth for good reason. Listen more than you talk, <laughs> you know, and um, and the same thing as a parent and uh, as parents. And so we will we'll talk and think and, and pray together and so on. But we have to also um, have ears to sort of understand where each other is and what each other needs. And so if our collective purpose is like is our is the the fulfillment of what a family can be and can be in this world for both our personal happiness and also for the impact we can have in the world, then um, then it's a, then leadership, whether it comes from myself, my wife, or our children, uh, is really about how do we marshal our collective efforts towards um, making that possible. Yeah, and that's great. Um, so, ladies and gentlemen, you can see how leadership plays a big role from family to organization. Um, mm-hmm. And what is the number one aspect? And this comes to when when it comes to your team or maybe the organization, Nova Pioneer, the organization itself. What is the trait that you look for in all your employees when bringing them onto the onto the Nova Pioneer Education Group? Yeah, I, I mean, I really don't know. There's one trait. I mean, I think there, there are a lot of things yeah. that are that are important. But I guess I guess firstly would probably be the you know what's captured by our always growing. Uh, culture principle, which is the desire to constantly grow and learn. And when I say grow, I don't just mean like progress and advance. I mean to learn um, the genuine willingness to take feedback and and to see the world with positive intention. Because truly, it's it's it's. I mean, it's it's that's what stunts us is if we're if we really struggle with feedback and ability to grow, or if we don't if we if we if we interpret feedback and input from others with fear and anxiety as opposed to attributing positive intention. Those are pretty foundational and. Um, it, the, yeah, the, to me, they're, they're, they're the starting point of fit, right? Yes. Like, or, or the second point of it. The starting point is that alignment of, of, uh, of personal purpose and, and organizational purpose. If that, if that aligning point is there, and that's probably the first thing, Frank, whenever I have uh, conversations, uh, when I'm potentially, like, let, let's say there's a leadership position or organization I'm, I'm recruiting for, or, or, or we're trying to develop, and I am having conversations with external candidates who I don't yet know well, or even internal candidates who I may not know as well. Um, that co- that coffee conversation is often just about like them to get to that sense like what what, what do they care about what's what's going to be fulfilling for them what's what's their path, and then um I try then try to try to understand them then try to reflect on how that may may be a fit with us um and then then I try to get a sense of like are, are this is a teammate who's a culture fit so are they growing do, are, are they always growing um have they have they struggled at times and got back, picked themselves up and got up from it? So I think that's probably the next point. And then we can get to all the technical stuff and all the demonstration. But I really believe if you, if you are, if you're, if you're a learner and I really, um, the, tra- your trajectory, no matter where you are at a given point, if you're, if you're an active learner uh, in your own life, then you, you are growing and your trajectory compounds upon itself, like, like compound interest, right. In math or in, or in banking, it compounds versus if let's say I happen to have achieved a high level of experience or expertise, but I'm not really growing, I've plateaued. And I will bet ten times out of ten on on the growth trajectory over the high starting point. That high starting point has to be so much higher for me to to prefer a flat a plateauing, a plateaued individual who says, I got it, leave me alone, I can I can do this. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm an expert. Yes. I'll I'll hire an expert for a contract. Yes. I will invest in a teammate who's growing, right? And same thing, I'd say to students, um, focus much more on your growth and where you're at any given time. A student who is, and I, I, I'm missing, I'll tell, I'll tell a quick story. That I, have a, I, w- I won't use his real name, but I had a classmate in high school who was a 
a good, good friend, uh, earnest, uh, earnest guy. At high school, I'd say he, he wasn't in all the top level classes because we used to have leveled classes in my high school. He was sort of in what, what you call the level two classes. There was level one, two, and three yes. uh, at that time. And, and he did, he sort of earned his Bs, his, his, his Cs and Bs in, le, in level two class, classes. And, but he was very earnest and he was a learner and I didn't have a language for it at the time. But then I went off to college. He went to a different college. I went to, I went to my college and we sort of, uh, we, did, we kept in touch, but didn't really nurture that well. But he went to a, pre, a, a pretty good university where I come to work at it. I leave, when I, when I, in the year I left to go um, for my first job when I left Harvard, he uh, joined and became a graduate student at Harvard and then became a professor later at Harvard uh-huh. in anthropology. Which to me is awesome. Like this is the story of I wish I could name him, but yeah, this is a, you know, but the story of a classmate who he was just a grower, you know. And so, my my, my what I what I my why I tell this story, particularly for the students who li- who, may, who would listen to this podcast, is grow, learn, grow. Life is long enough that the trajectory of growth, no matter where you are, is compounds upon itself, and where you'll end up in 10, 15 years because of growth is that expandable limitlessness, like just grow, just learn, and 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 don't be so, um, don't hold so much anxiety about where you might be. And if you're great, don't hold so much, don't hold arrogance about where you might be, like have the humility uh, to continue to grow. Yeah, and you spoke, I like the fact that you brought up arrogance. Um, and arrogance actually plays a big part. So in the moment you get to the senior positions or whatever, you, you become more educated, you become, the tendency is to become more arrogant in a way. And you notice, I noticed that myself, uh, I, I can't say that if, if I haven't been arrogant once in my life, I'll be lying. Um, but how does one actually humble themselves down? Like, especially when you, you, you in education, so you understand that as you go up, you're like, oh, I, I'm educating myself. I know more than this person. Yeah, I can in a way belittle them, which is not the right point of view. But how do you actually humble yourself? Because they often say this, this, there's this phrase in my house that, um, humble yourself or it will humble you. And, um, <laughs> and it's a true statement. I've come down, I've, I was up in cloud nine, all of a sudden, Oh, I, I know this year you're getting number one in class and all that. And, and it's great. Uh, it follows the achievement narrative as in the pathless part, it was said there achievement narrative, but at mm-hmm. the same point, um, it, it's, it's humbling to take down when I'm self-reflecting. And I, I take self-reflection as a big thing. And I, I often hear it in, in your conversation about your story and, and your life, Mr. Chiriokia, that you uh, reflect on your actions. And I think I, I kind of like answered some part of, your, part of the question. But at the same time, I'd like to hear your mm-hmm. voice on how, how does a student humble himself? I think it is, it is good to um, take stock of your achievements and your growth and kind of like climbing up a mountain. It's good once in a while to pause and look and say, well, I've traveled quite a journey and feel good about it and feel motivated and encouraged by it. But the moment you start moving is the moment you stop, yes. right? And, 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 and others will walk by you. And so, um, you know, there's so many, you know, read the Desiderata. I think it's in Desiderata where it talks about there will always be people greater and less than yourself in, in many different ways. And there are people uh, whom I may be a faster runner than, but who I could learn a heck of a lot about French from, right? <laughs> and it's not, it's not one dimension, there are multiple dimensions. And so um, it's actually the beauty of the world that you can have multiple talents that can connect, right? And that I am greater in some areas and less in other areas than others, and we're able to, to complement each other. That is like an awesome trait about humanity. So things, I remember there's a football coach, Andy Reid, he's an American football coach, but I remember he used to coach one of my favorite football teams, and he always used to say, 
when you know after when they were winning guys it's not as good it's never as good as it feels or as bad as it feels so we our emotions are never that internal narrative is never really well calibrated we're always either too high or too low and the reality is somewhere in between and it's good to sort of put an even keel i think i i think perhaps one of my most um simultaneously humbling and like invigorating exciting like learning moments I remember walking to widener library this is at harvard when i when i was a, a student early there and of course you know you've just gotten into harvard you're starting you're like you know you feel like yeah i'm on my journey mm-hmm. i'm very excited about your achievements at that point in yeah. life and you walk into widener library and you see the collect just the stacks and stacks and floors of books that have been written by people who've dedicated years of their lives potentially to those books uh, with deep scholarship and realize in the course of my life I will never read uh, read let alone write mm-hmm. a hundredth of those books a thousandth of those books there's just so much out there and so much that's that's that folks so it's you you pretty clearly like I'm like bigger pond and lots and lots that is out there that I just haven't encountered and on one hand it's depressing man I wish I could read all those things and, and I, I wish in my lifetime I could learn all those things and read all those things. Think about just the amount of knowledge, uh, uh, even good, accurate knowledge that exists on the internet. We, we just don't have time in this world to digest at all. But it's also exciting because it says there's so much more out there. There's so much more that one can grow into. And so if you can be, like sort of like the Siddhartha says, if you can be simultaneously proud and encouraged by the path you've walked and the achievements you've achieved, they're not meaningless. They are meaningful. They, they, they speak to your possibility but humble and eager and curious about all the things that are yet ahead of you, that you don't know, that you could know, that you could understand, that you could do better. And so you have an always joy of learning and growth, growth mindset around those things. Then that's great. That's great. I, I, you know, pursue that. I, you know, it's, that's not arrogance. Ar- arrogance really comes from the, I think, is, is much more of a view that, uh, I don't have a real good definition for that, but it's much more, it's, it's that point on the climb when you say, yeah, I got it. It's, got, it's, it's the hare and the tortoise when the hare sleeps mm-hmm. and the tortoise walks by. That's arrogance, right? And, um, and, I, and, and that I don't think uh, uh, we want. Yeah, I, I like that view. And I, I kind of like wanted to track the words now because I like had the joy of learning all of a sudden. But I have experienced, <laughs> uh, I personally have experienced uh, arrogance in my own way. Um, being number one mm-hmm. has always been like a big thing for me and so forth. But at mm-hmm. the same point, mm-hmm. I've taken this, this like I think over the IG stretch when I wrote my IGCSE uh, to grade 12 I took some time to just reflect and when I was planning the podcast and all that I asked myself what is the one thing that I want the mission of this podcast to bring out in people and one of them was the ability for people to self-reflect um and my mom's always always telling me manifest, uh, self reflect, meditate, and all of that type of thing. And I, tell me two years ago to do that type of thing, I'll tell you nonsense to your face. Um, and I'd say yeah. that's absolute nonsense. Uh, there's only there's no such thing as luck. There's no such thing as manifesting. The universe doesn't hear nobody. Uh, it's just a sound out there. It's physics, and it changed <laughs> my view. It, it, I totally started reading Deepak Chopra. Um, I've read so many people. I've yeah. spoken to so many people, uh, like yourself, Mr. Juju. Okay, with so much of knowledge, um, and so much of like motivation and insight that that at the end of the day, you like this thing to yourself. Wow, I'm really humbled. I'm so blessed um, to. Yeah, I mean, just I would say to to you, Vahin, and by speaking to you, I'm speaking. I'm hoping I'm speaking to other other um, uh, students and you know people out there for whom this may be relevant. Is 
like I think what you should be, uh, uh, you can be take pride in, in the achievements and you say, wow, and if, if achievement is having the high, you know, the highest outcome on an IGCSA exam in English, let's say, that's that great, great to be, uh, uh, to be, to be, uh, to f- feel gratitude and, and pride over that achievement. Mm. But um, it's but uh, and it's in and it's in one definition that is number one on English in that class, for example. But if me, as soon as you redraw that circle, say okay, what what number one among who? You can redraw that circle in South Africa, in the world. Or is that the number one result? And is it number one result in just one subject or multiple subjects? And that's just the academic brain side of things. To your point, how about spirituality? Like I can I can build uh, I can build my academic uh, academic growth and and it, also do I really understand this stuff? I could be the top test achiever. But do I have really the most nuanced understanding of the text we've read? I can I can imagine you and I could both read a book and we'd get something interesting out of it. And that'd be wonderful. We can appreciate that. But if we sit down and talk about it over a cup of coffee, I I, I would both develop my own incoming thoughts more and hear more from you and vice versa. And then that's learning and that's growth. And so like, you know, be proud and encouraged by your achievements because they're evidence that with effort you can and you can learn, right? Yes. But be much more focused on the opportunities to learn, to achieve more, to grow more, to, you know, um, uh, and I don't just mean like, when I say learning, I don't mean like fill in the gaps of your deficiencies. I mean, grow your strengths as well as fill in the gaps of your deficiencies, right? And um, I think, you know, that number one changes as soon as you draw the circle differently, right? It's no longer my class of 15 or 50 or 100. It's now a world, you know, go step into Vits, go step step into Yale. And if I go, okay, well, maybe, well, someone who's a who's a better essay writer than I am after all. In fact, there are a lot of them. That's fine. That's okay. And I, I don't have to be depressed about that. I can I can it gives me an opportunity to learn with other really remarkable young people to get even better. And meanwhile maybe they, they can learn about South African history from me or whatever it is, you know. And so um yeah just just be proud while not being fixated, I guess, on, on Yeah. Um and yeah that that would be you've spoken about culture principles. Um and what I'd like to ask you is what are Nova Pioneer's six culture principles? Because I think everybody's heard heard me speak and heard you speak about all this growing solutions first and so forth. But what are the six culture principles? And like, give us a brief explanation of each one. What do they embody in the organization? Yeah, so the six culture principles actually emanate from our, our three like founding values, right? So you have we had a value of excellence, uh, inquiry, and caring were our three values. So excellence led us towards a culture principle of high expectations, right? and a culture principle of solutions first, what I'd call our blue culture principles, blue is one of our colors. So high expectations is the idea that we constantly hold high expectations for ourselves and of others, and we work towards them, right? We believe in our capacity, we believe in others' capacity, and we hold it as high expectations because uh, the pursuit of high expectations is what generates excellence, right? And then solutions first is the idea that we acknowledge problems, they are problems, but we approach problems with a solution mindset. We approach problems not just to lay them at the feet of others, but to engage with others in solving them and making the world better. So that's solutions first. So those are two of our culture principles and they reflect excellence and that's a core value of being an innovator and a leader or a shaper, right? Then there are um, what I'd call our green culture principles would emanate um, from the value of, of inquiry, right? And that's uh, joy of learning and always growing. So a joy of learning is that I'm constantly curious, I want to learn, I, I, I seek out and I share uh, learning uh, for its own sake and for the benefit of others, right? And so that I that I that I, I enjoy reading a book because I can get something from it, and I'd love to share that with you. And the fact that this is this is new software you're doing this podcast on, how awesome! We're going to learn about something new. Like the energy that it unleashes, joy and 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 that joy fuels our learning. And not only the joy comes from our learning, but it also fuels more learning. That's the joy of learning, right? 
and always growing. The idea that I'm always growing and I, I, I embrace failure as sort of a first attempt in learning. I embrace hardship and failure as an opportunity to get better and stronger. And that I hold a growth mindset. I understand that I can get better at almost anything. In fact, at anything, I can get better. And, it just, it, and I just need to be able to uh, build the skills and given the effort to get better, right? I am not born a good mathematician or born good at, good at art. Actually, I can become good at art. I can become good at uh, mathematics, right? So that's always growing and joy of learning. Those two are the green culture principles. And then what I call the yellow culture principles, or they emanate from our value of caring, right? And that's servant leadership and greater together. Greater together is Ubuntu, that uh, we, I am because we are, that we are more, I, I am enough alone, but I am made greater together with you, yes. right? So it's not that I'm not enough alone, but by, but in partnership with others, we can go further and we are made greater and more meaningful through, our, through, our, through being part of our, being in, in, in community with others, right? And then servant leadership is just really that, that uh, the, way to, the way to lead is through service, that we, we, we look uh, others and mission before self, I guess, is others and mission before self. And those are six culture principles. Those are what it means to be a novenier, whether you're a student, a parent, a, a teammate, a CEO, the CEO, those are our culture principles, and they're what sort of define the mindsets and behaviors uh, of an ovenier. Okay, I, I, I really like that. And from where, how did this come about? How did the culture, because that's like the most intriguing part for me, and that's where my curiosity lies. Mm. Where did the culture principles come up? Is it a group effort, or did you personally come up with it? Where, where did this all stem from? Yeah, the values were something that our very early founding team, myself, one of them, um, sort of thought about and we, we defined. And when we were before we were ever Nova Pioneer, while we we're still sort of Pioneer Academies and then Nova Academies in, in Kenya, we were we, we defined or even before Nova Academies, when we were just Pioneer Academies, we defined the three values. And then when Pioneer Academies and Nova Academies, the founding teams of both those organizations joined together to say, let's be one. We kind of joined together to say, let's be greater together, right? Um, and we said, okay, how are we, um, well, we were both very clear that culture really mattered to us, right? Because essentially we're in, the, we're in the, en the endeavor of developing mindsets and behaviors. Like that's that's yeah. pretty core to what education is. And we'll only be successful at it if we have, uh, if we shape what they are. Every organization has a culture. The question is, do you shape it or not? Do you actively develop what it is or not? And we were pretty determined to try to actively develop what it was. But the process wasn't just sort of Chinese and Oliver and so on sitting down and writing it. It was there was there was a group of teachers and 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 staff, so uh, joint faculty and staff from both Kenya and South Africa, a small group of about I'd say uh, ten folks, who were sort of took it on as a project. Say, let's put words to this, right? And while the co-founders, my particularly myself and Oliver, probably probably were started sort of creating the options and really workshopping it initially, we brought in that group of about ten folks and then. Uh, sharpened it, refined it, and then that group sort of, then we started running workshops and championing it at, across, and little championing it. Yeah, workshops sort of activated, build the language, build understanding, celebrate it, have fun with it yeah. across um, Kenya and South Africa to, so we wanted to be, you know, one organization, one DNA, one mission, and culture was going to be the glue that made that possible. And so that was a process we went through to go from sort of three values, which were sort of uh, articulated, sort of were, were named, but not well built out, into six culture principles that were very, I think, uh, uh, more clearly articulated and owned.
talking about like leadership and the culture principles and the small implicit things that that Nova the Nova organization has how do you and the leaders that you surround yourself with so the people you don't not every day and it's not possible you don't have a CEO talking to every single employee of the day Nova Pioneer has grown to a stage of where it's now okay we have managers and so forth and yeah so how do you and the people who you surround yourself with mainly the leaders of the organization invest and in and invest in the growth of the teams and the organization itself yeah, where does I mean, that start we, um again on our foundation we have people and culture and then obviously there's skill and practice that follows mm-hmm. but uh, i think growth starts just investing in people and culture growth and so you're right i mean if if an organization would were, were dependent on my time alone or my skills alone or my being able to uh, being every conversation, every decision, well, we wouldn't go very far or very quickly. And, you know, we'd be pretty constrained. And that's sort of, I mean, there are, there are enterprises like that. Yes. So one people consulting firms or, or if I was, you know, working uh, in a, one, one person uh, effort, but I'm not. And so you're right. The, the, the key is to, and, and a key part of any entrepreneur, I think, is also to really find a way to attract and grow a great, great team. And starts with people who are good. You know, we talked about uh, mission fit and then culture fits, and then yeah, we, we actively grow and develop. And so there are a number of ways. Uh, one is just built into the very fabric of of the roles and responsibilities we have. So the role of a of a dean in a school is to coach and support uh, the educators. The role of a school leader is to coach and support the dean team and leadership team. The role of our our I call our chief of schools or directors of schools are to coach and support our school leaders. And my role is to uh, coach and support and serve. That uh, everyone, but principally, firstly through through the uh, executive leadership team and over pioneer, and so one is through our roles, and so you have to have habits uh, and practices like observation and coaching and feedback, and hopefully you've been in classrooms where you've seen a dean come in or another teacher come in and observe the teacher who's teaching, and they debrief it afterwards because not only are they leading your learning, but they're also learning themselves and growing through learning, and that's that's part of the the why one would be an over pioneers because we want to we are all learning and i i get through, i've had 360 feedback i've had i sometimes go to either a member of my team or a member of the board and say please run a learning process for me because I, I need to learn right and so uh we're all constantly the way we work have built in these routines and structures similarly um then we'll have a people review and our people review uh it's sort of some organizations have performance management review processes and it's sort of that but it's also learning review. So we don't we our initial we don't our initial goal setting is something we call a growth template. So it has culture, it has competence, and it has contribution. So Novenir students have three C's, right? Char- character, capability, and connection. That's the three C's for our vision of a Novenir. Yes. Novenir teammates have three C's: culture, um, uh, competence, and contribution. And the three C, the, the culture is how am I living and leading the culture? Competence, how am I building the skills that can support the work that I do? And contribution, what is my performance contribution? What am I, how am I achieving the goals I've set out for myself? And that also is a framework that enables me to structure conversations that are both about performance, but also about growth, right? And then we have, um, then there are training programs. Yes. So there are, we have, you know, there's induction and orientation early, what we call mastery sessions, emerging leader programs. And that scaffolding is intended to support the toughest times in one's professional journey, are often when one is changing roles. So from, for example, the first, my first year in teaching was probably the hardest work of my entire life in you know, all things I've done. And it was awesome learning and growth, but I, it was such a hard stretch. After learning, being comfortable, the next, when you move from leading learning in classroom to doing that and leading others, coaching other teammates, other, other adults, then you are, um, 
then that's a new learning. That's a transition. And then when you go from that to being a school leader, for example, that's another transition. And in each of those transitions, we want to support those with specific training programs. So all of that is supporting growth in terms of growth defined as learning and potentially when the opportunity is growth moving into other positions of responsibility, right, and service. And so that's how we think about uh, learning. And, and it's, you know, at the, again, as I started, we are people and culture. And, and for us to do what we're, we're trying to do, which is support students learning consistently well across many schools across the continent, uh, we have to be an organization that can develop each other, that can constantly develop each other uh, in every in every arena of our work. Yeah. Um, and I think that speaks on to what we're going into next, entrepreneurship, um, mm. where well, I'm going to ask you about how, how how Nova started and what is your journey at the beginning? Because starting an educational group is way different to starting an online business or something, that, uh, something like that. Here you are actually being involved in a child's life. Um, and where did this, where, where did the, the start come from? What, what is it lo- looking like in the start? Was there a team? How, how did you actually start scaling it up from the beginning? Yeah, it kind of depends on where you define the start. I mean, when I became a teacher, in some ways, that, that was part of, part of my journey, right? And learning mm. learning about teaching and forming some views about what I hoped uh, people, young people could get out of education and building some, some insight into learning. That's an example. When I was a consultant, got a sense, I got to study uh, school systems across more than 20, 25 countries to understand what I think, what I, what I observe, not just what I think, what I observe um, uh, makes for great education and learning. And in fact, what I observed was that um, every school has dynamic and wonderful young people in it. And the question is, can we as a, can they and the adults in the, in the school collectively organize uh, an experience that helps them unleash that in positive ways? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so but specifically Nova Pioneer, I think the start was then stepping away from consulting and taking a first step. You know, we started in a small office in, mm-hmm. in on Rivonia Road um, uh, that we rented and, and just try to figure out, okay, so you know, what do we call ourselves? Like, how do we, what do we, um, which curriculum should we use? I, you know, I went off and researched a bunch of different curricula, visited a whole bunch of schools across, in different countries across the world, across South Africa, across in, in Europe. And I was in the U.S. a bit, looking at what technology was doing in education, just a learning phase in Italy, where we got to know a bit more about Reggio Emilia. So um, trying to pull these different influences and said, which of these do we think are most, uh, most a best fit with a vision of learning and outcomes we want to have for young people? Right. And then so start to and that, that involved I didn't do that alone. But with that I realized there are people who are a lot more expert <laughs> in this than I am. And so then you have to you have to build a small team, whether they're, whether they're employees or advisors or co-founders, whatever, whatever the right role is, right fit for them and for you. And we, we put that together. And that was 20. That was the end of 2013 going 2014. Then we said, well, let's start piloting this. There's some, there's some things we're doing differently from other schools, particularly in how we teach. And there's some traditions we're trying to combine that haven't often gone together. The idea of experiential learning and inquiry with rigor and consistency of routine. How do we do those things? So we we had to, we ran some um, pilot programs at Sir John Adams. We did, a, we did a Saturday school, for example. We were in 2014. We ran a leadership program for youth, a winter leadership program when students were on, ho- on holiday, and we also did a, a preschool program. And so that was an opportunity for us to start to build this and get a sense of you know try out some of the things that that could be see how if they could be really good for students and 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 for us before we open school. And then we, I think we'd, we'd done enough. We, you know, key was, you know, if I'm sort of getting insights from this, it'd be to say, pull together a team that has some of the experience in the ways of learning that we needed. It, it couldn't just be any educators because there's some brilliant educators, but whose approach to education was not going to be consistent with our intention or our vision. That would not be a good fit. We needed skilled educators who had an experience of education that was consistent with our intention and practice. 
because they were going to be the source of of teaching and learning, and that those became our academic directors and leaders and so on, and our school leader. And so, um, so that's how we started. And I don't know, first open day, the night before our first open day, I was cleaning the bathroom in the White Lodge there at Omonde. I was fixing the carpet. I was figuring out what rooms we could go into, what rooms we couldn't go into. I, you know, in the in the white in the lodge building in Omonde, when you walk in, that right by the boardroom, there's like a bathroom there, right? And yeah. um, I I remember like. That's why I was from 6 p.m. to like 8 p.m. before the first open day, scrubbing the tiles and floors and trying to, because it was, it was a, the building was, we were just taking over from tenants that hadn't been there in a long time. And it was, it was a mess, right? And running open day and like polishing uh, that floor where I think is now a classroom with wooden floors, polishing the floors. And I was on my knees polishing. And that's what I was doing that evening. And the next day, welcoming families and giving a tour and giving a talk. And, and, um, and that's how it starts. And then you just kind of take the next step and build a team and, with each teammate you bring on board, you hope you're bringing on someone who has strengths that you don't have. Not just you hope, you try, you deliberately work to make sure you bring on people who have strengths that you don't have because they, um, that's how you get better. And so that's been the journey of, of, of getting started. Wow. Uh, um, I literally got goosebumps when you said that you, you polish the floor and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, that, that is some, some type of story. Uh, well, not story, but it's, the journey is just amazing. Uh, it just becomes even better and better. I don't know when the climax <laughs> is going to come. Uh, yeah, so the funny. moment you come into the climax, please let me know because <laughs> I, I really it's going to give me those. The I want to I want to start parting here on my side here. Um, <laughs> but w- when it came to the rise of Nova Pioneer, and mm. I like to think of it as a rise uh, because the mission is not done. You mm. you're still building. It's still a building, mm. and what did you do? I'm sure you went through mental phases of, okay, I'm, I'm immensely exhausted. How, how did you recharge yourself? What was the process like? Because entrepreneurs have this, they have this vision where they have to hustle, like uh, work 20 all nights and so forth and forth and that type of thing. Did you ever do that? And how did you actually like break out of that and like mentally recharge? Yeah, I have a co-founder, and originally how you do it as a student as well, because you, you do a lot of things and you work pretty hard. But you know how you do it. Um, I have a co-founder who recently said um, that you know I made a remark about you know a big part of leadership is self-care, and that's true. Yeah, you have to be in a. Uh, I have to have had enough sleep that can be a good problem solver, and that I'm not irritable, for example, or not you know try not to be irritable. And so I think self-care matters. Um, I will say, yeah, you know, I, I do work pretty hard. I, and I have, you know, uh, I have, and I continue to occasion have all-nighters. Or I regularly work at, I'm regularly uh, working until 1 or 2 a.m. And that's, that. you know, I probably do that two or three times a week. Um, so it's not, um, I do work hard, but I also have to, one, uh, a couple a couple ways I, I sort of build energy and I have to watch out. It's not like when you, when you are working out, do you want to drink water before you're thirsty? Otherwise, you may be dehydrated before you get thirsty. And so... That idea of drinking before you're thirsty is something I'm also about to care. Is making sure I'm getting adequate sleep. And if one night I do have a lot of sleep, I get more sleep afterwards. I have I, I, I box once a week. I have a boxing coach who I work with once a week, and I that that time is sacrosanct. I, I put my calendar. It's it's blocked off. I, I get you know I, I can structure my day. I have more flexibility than many of my colleagues. Uh, if I'm teaching, I don't have flexibility. At a certain times, I have to be where I am. In my role, I do have flexibility, so I can have a morning where after I drop. Uh, my daughter off at school, I can come home and have a nap, you know, or, or do the boxing. So I have some flexibility, which I can sort of uh, exercise self-care. I also, the other big part of it, and I'll say is I also have to learn that um, the, what people observing me can set expectations for what the organization should be doing. And so I have to be careful that 
if I'm working at midnight, because that works for me, and I have figured out a, a, a rhythm that I'm comfortable with, and I make sure it works for me, then um, that doesn't, I, I need to be careful not to be sending out emails at midnight, for example. Because yeah. otherwise, what that does, it tells, to, it suggests to our team that we should always be all, you know, I expect others to be able to receive emails at midnight. No, I boomerang that email, so it goes out at 8 a.m. the next morning, right? Mm-hmm. And so by respecting others' time, I think you can create a culture where people can be well. And wellness is, 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 is so, I, you know, we really have to take it seriously, particularly the past three years. I think we've learned about the importance of looking after and being attentive to teammates and, each, and students, each other's wellness. And so, um, yeah, so short answer to that, I, I have, it's important that I'm conscious about my wellness. And I think I've become more thoughtful and aware of the things that give me energy and not. And there have been times that I've been more burnt out than others. But generally, I, I, am, I try to drink before I'm thirsty, and I try to have a routine that, gives, that sort of keeps me healthy in the course of the week. That's for me. And then I realize my routine is not a fit for everybody, right? There are certainly minimum high expectations we set, we set and we do have high, hold high expectations, and we do ask a lot of our teammates. But we ha- that has to be tempered with real care for wellness. And the fact that my, my routine is okay to be working at midnight most nights in a week is not an okay expectation for others, and I don't want to signal that either. And so then I have to manage how others see that and what expectations they hear, hear or see from me. And so um, I, I protect weekends for others, for example. I may work on a Sunday. I don't expect others to, right? Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that's how I think about it. But I wonder, you know, let me, if I could bounce a question back to you, Vaheen, how, how, you know, how do you manage what I know is it can be extremely uh, uh, big load in terms of what you have to do? Yeah. Look, as a Cambridge student, um, I love the system, uh, but it's a lot of high work, high pressure. Uh, it sounds like I'm working in a in an industrial area, but it's I'm not. It's it's just an academic life. I love it. Um, I'm passionate about academics, just like yourself mm-hmm. in the studio. Okay, but at the same time, I also um, understand when enough is enough. Uh, so mm. I work late nights. I can set up to one, two o'clock in the morning. I can sit up till that time mm. and I'll be ready to go next morning at half past four, waking up and getting ready for school. Wow. Um, yeah, I, I don't live near the school. So that was my choice. I honestly don't mm. live near the school. I live a very far distance from the school. So waking up at half past four or five o'clock, either those times, although during exams, it's like a really push for me. It's like half past four, need to wake up. Come on, let's just like, that last five minutes, they say five minutes can change everything. And I believe in that. Mm. Five minutes can change everything. That And waking up five minutes, well, I wake up 30 minutes before. Mm. Um, so 30 minutes before, uh, it just gets me in that zone. It's like, okay, today's another day. You need to push your hardest again. Um, you're almost done with school. Uh, you, It's a final push now. Um, mm. you, you finally be able to get it. And I just have that mantra in my head where okay, I'm going to get there one day where I will be able to take a step back and I'll be able to get there. But for the time being, I need to push as hard as I can because to get where I want to be and that vision in my head, I need to work for it. It's not going to come for free. There's nothing in this world that comes for free unless mm. you know, you're, very, you're very lucky. Um, and I like to believe that, yes, there's luck in the world, but at the same time, you have to work hard for everything. Mm. So, I, I really appreciate I appreciate your reflection and you know snaps you for the for the for the drive. I would say there are, there are two two things I may have learned that I probably uh, from from this at least sustainability for me and I I imagine it probably applies to others. Is one um, is uh, two things that I relate to your where you comment. One is uh, even when I do that like sleep, I can't tell you what how I have come to observe how much better, happier, healthier, better teammate I am for others 
more well I am when I get adequate sleep. So trying to figure out what is adequate sleep and making sure one is doing that. It's that that's the drinking before you're thirsty. So that, that's one, you know, real point I would, and I know it runs a little against what you just said in terms of uh, early rise, but like figure out the sleep you need and get it just a little bit more than that, you know. And the second is, um, is the way you said earlier about your passion about learning. That's awesome. I, I have found that when I'm passionate about what I'm doing, it comes back to the beginning of our conversation when we talk about purpose. When I find purposeful meaningfulness in what I'm doing, I could work, uh, you know, 12 hour, 16 hour a day, and I've got energy for days. And I've worked in jobs where I just, you know, maybe it's my own lack of imagination, but I just haven't found that meaningfulness in it. And I'm working a six hour day, and I'm feeling, man, I'm dragging here. And so that that purposefulness, that motivation, intrinsic intrinsic motivation, is also a big part of sustainability and flourishing for me. Uh, uh, so I, you can work more, but but if if it's meaningful. But that's for me. Uh, for others, you know, it's wonderful that you you are finding rhythms that work for you. I'll just I credit you, Mr. Nchiji. Okay, I've heard you talk in front of the entire school and mm-hmm. your path to uh, your your path and so forth. Um, and our researching and self learning was actually a big part of of your journey. And I'd like you mm-hmm. to actually speak about that because I think the audience, not only Novaniers that would hear this uh, podcast, but the others that are looking forward to like joining a school group that's actually passionate about self-learning, teaching you uh, research skills, things that work in the practical world that's different to a traditional education. Yeah, I mean, this we, we talked earlier about the trajectory you're on being in life, always being always growing, being more important than the point at which you are. Um, there's a, there's a poem called the, I think the journey to Ithaca, and you know you're always trying to get to a place, but it's actually the journey that counts. So growth, we always want to be growing. And, and that means that as a school and as a, in, in any other environment, developing the skills of learning, what we call self-didactic skills, the skills to, of how to learn, how to frame a, a question, starting point. I can't, tell you how, I can't tell you how many business meetings are wasted because we actually don't know what question we're trying to solve. I can't tell you how, many, how, how much money is wasted in people's time because we sit around a, a workshop for two hours and I say, wait, we actually don't understand our question. So can we frame what it is we're trying to solve or what it is we're trying to learn? That gives a that gives us pretty good guidance um, to what we not next need to go out and learn. Who do we need to talk to? What do we, what research do we need to do? I mean, the, the core s- skill of a management consultant, which I was for for a while and I observe, is the ability to learn quickly. And how does a management consultant learn quickly? Is because they're able to frame the question and structure it and figure out where to go learn and build rapid r- rapid enough learning that they can then and when they need to put on real expertise, they can they can do so. And so the idea that you guys can, can build specific skills that help you learn really important. That's something that I very much hope that we are able to do for our students for throughout life, because that you know then we can be lifelong learners. We can, you know, be faced with a problem, name it, understand it, and go about so, le- learning what we need to to solve it. Yes, uh, and and I think further talking about self uh, self learning and so forth. Uh, you spoke you your reader, and you spoken about creativity mm. uh, creativity of innovators and so forth. A book that you read, and what books would you actually advise or uh, yeah advise entrepreneurs, young teenagers that they should read? It's like a must. Um, because I often often get these questions like I, I read quite a bit, so lost my my. My reading goal was 52 books. I've got to my 52 books. So this year it's 54. And this is updated to two. Wow. Um, but that's like this my my personal goal. And I have a lot of time uh, that I spend reading. And it also falls into those late nights. So it's not only working, but also reading. It falls into mm. that part there. Mm. Um, but the reading does help with my English essays. I'm not going to lie with that. 
the words that you can use. <laughs> so it's a multi-purpose thing, self-learning, but also English learning. But what books would you recommend to people who are wanting to become entrepreneurs, leaders, innovators? Uh, what, what would you recommend? First, I just recommend to read. I mean, Raheen, what you just described is a voracious amount of reading. So snaps to you. You know, I mean, um, that's, uh, that's, that's fantastic. But uh, first of all, just read. And I, I'm less, I'd be less precise about what to read than, than you are reading and thinking about it, reflecting about it. And occasionally when you read, when you read a bunch, pause to write, write reflections, you know, or, um, find it, you know, I think, I think, frankly, even if it's just uh, trying to get a mix of reading, you know, read some for pleasure because it's, it's sort of, it's, it's fun and builds a habit that's exciting and read some because they're sort of instruction, instructive books and so on. What I will share is, you know, the, um, the couple books that have been important in my journey, entrepreneurial journey or life journey. Interesting, the one book I find myself gifting young people the most is uh, The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Um, it's, um, for me, it was the right book at the right time. I read it when I was, uh, when I was doing that job, I told you database consulting, I was living in New York and I was feeling very much off my path. And I was like, man, this, like, this can't be what the rest of my life an adult is like, you know, I was living this, uh, studio apartment in Brooklyn and in the winter when, you know, I roll in my apartment, it's still dark. I get on the subway, it's still dark. I go to work. I'm, I'm programming databases on my computer all day. I step outside for you know 45 minutes at lunch to grab a slice of pizza, come back in. I go back. I'm in, I'm in the subway again, home, playing on my, this little game, my phone. And I was just like, you know, I, I was in the apartment where I roll on my bed. I'm, I roll on my bed on my kitchen. Like, it was that kind of small kind of ex- I'm like, this is not what I want to be doing. Like, is this what adult, is this what it means to grow up? Because, you know, like my, my brother has this, um, yeah, I just I, it just fell off my path. Uh, I was like, and I was getting a bit upset about it. And I, was, and I just and I just happened to read um, Paulo, uh, the, the Alchemist, and it, it it gave me the the push and the, the encouragement and the hood spot to say, I'm going to leave this job, which is paying pretty well, but feels off the path. I'm going to call up my my old teacher, who was a mentor of mine, and sh- and ask for advice. And I'm going to go be a, and I became a teacher, and I was earning a third. I moved to a job that was paying me a third of what I was making as a consultant in New York, and. I'm so glad I did best decision ever. And it's funny, it's even making a third of the salary, I ended up saving more, believe it or not. It's amazing how the world conspires. And the alchemist, he talked about manifesting in the world. Is it just is it just sound out there? Is there is there is there a sentient world in some way? Well, I have found that when you step towards your what the alchemist talks about, your personal legend, when you step towards something that's purposeful for you, the world does conspire to help. I I don't have a clear explanation for it. I think there is some coincidence and some sort of you move towards something, you build expertise there. You know, it's there. There's that you can model some of it, but not all of it can be modeled, right? And um, and so it was the yes. right book for me at the right time. And so that's a book I often give to folks. And I could have read that same book five years earlier, and it is an interesting story, and I kind of like tossed it aside. Um, but it was the right book at the right time. And so for folks who are sort of in that uh, purpose finding space, it's a great book. And there are others, I talked about Tony Wagner's Creating Innovators. Is it the best book ever written? No. But it was really relevant to this idea of, uh, it, was, it was really interesting to the idea of uh, developing schools that create, uh, that build innovative capacity, right? And so, I, so it's, uh, you know, all to say, there have been a few books that have been powerful for me, that have been important to me in my journey. Um, the kind of book I read at a given time depends on my energy and what I'm trying to learn or, or engage at that time. But my advice would just be to read. Read this. You know, there are so many books out there. Uh, we'll never get to all of them, but there's some really great ones. And if you're reading something that just isn't isn't seeming useful, put it down and pick something else up. Uh, it, you know, g- give it a try. Don't, don't don't stop after 20 pages. Or give it a good shot. But um, and then there are so many books out there that can be good, thoughtful books. Yeah. And um, um, read them. You know, yeah, spiritual books. All yeah, 
read. <laughs> uh, well, I think I can relate with The Alchemist. It wasn't my all-time favorite, um, but I have read it as part of like the school curriculum. I wouldn't have come across it if it wasn't to Nova. Um, but in the book, I think I need to reread it, especially with refining purpose and so forth. Um, and and it would be probably one of my books that I need to write down on my to-do list. And like, okay, let me go reread that book. Uh, because it was like around about grade nine, I think I started reading it. And finding purpose in grade nine is very difficult for, for somebody like that. I don't think anybody got, got a purpose. Like I, I want to be, I think the only purpose I had in grade nine was I want to become rich. That was the only thing I want to <laughs> like, okay, I want to become rich. Um, and yeah, it's just a big difference when, but yeah, you know, but I was don't put pressure on yourself around that. That's okay. You know, um, purpose can come later, and, and you know, like just being learning is is a great purpose. You know, and 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 like I said, the Alchemist is the right book at the right time. So, you know, pick it up in ten years, pick it up in five years. It's it'll it has. There's so many books that have different meaning. I remember Richard Wright's The Native Son is a book I remember really really reading. And when I first read it, actually I read it part of school curriculum. I was like, okay, interesting novel. We discussed it. I can write an essay about it. Great. But then I was reading it one time when I was when I'd taken a, a, a what if sort of like a semester abroad from university, and I was traveling on my own across um, from southern to eastern to western Africa, and I was and I read it on that trip and man did it come alive for me in a different way. And so the same book at different times in our lives uh, can carry different messages and meaning. And so yeah, maybe store it away over here and like you know five years from now or any time when you're sort of just reflecting on your path. Pick it up and see if it's useful. Definitely, I'm just gonna put it down there. Um, that's like, a, like one of those things. <laughs> I mean, you have to say you have to send, you have to send me a, a, a book recommendation too. Yeah, I'd appreciate. Definitely. That. After this, I will be sending a few book book recommend recommendations as long as you reciprocate to me. Um, Absolutely. And next next point that I wanted to start talking about is scaling Nova Panya in the future. Nova Panya is I, I would consider it like half of the uh, like you, it's like your your soul in a way, uh, you believe in that mission, mission, mission. Yeah. Making mistakes there. Um, uh, I think to anybody who, who's listened to this podcast, entrepreneurs and so forth, how did you get this funding for Nova Pioneer, the education group? It's not, I know for a fact, again, I can relate to online businesses. It's not a cheap thing. Uh, it's, it's, it's money intensive. You need people that you need networking and so forth. How did you actually start raising the funding for it? Yeah, I, I was fortunate that quite early I was able, like I had um, enough sort of friends and family who who had either worked with me or been along my side of my journey long enough to know that I was serious about it and I really wanted to try to do. And if I wasn't successful, it wasn't going to be for lack of effort or lack of intention. It's just going to be that I wasn't successful at it. And then I guess I had enough confidence in my capacity to to have a decent shot at doing something okay with it. And so a lot of the first initial uh, uh, funders, in addition to my own, what I was able to bring uh, to it from my own prior work was um, where other colleagues from uh, where I'd worked before and some family. So um, uh, it was networks, as you mentioned, um, and that was sort of the first round of financing. And then as we built, at that point, it was that's kind of what we needed because at that point, no no institution or um, or bank would finance, you know, because it's just too early. There are, for, for other folks who are looking for financing, there are sometimes competitions that one can win, entrepreneurial competitions or grants, and there are some even very early investors potentially, but mine was more uh, sort of friends and family. And then um, and then about three or three or two, three years in, we got our first institutional investor, um, which was uh, basically a collection of, of high net worth families um, who together had, had a vehicle that they were using to invest in and had a, and the person who was managing it was someone I'd actually known from college. Mm -hmm. So it was, again, a network, but, um, uh, and the important, I, 
I do not underestimate the importance of building social capital through your through your studies and through your through your work. It's important, and not not just for Mac, not just for like in a Machiavellian. I'm just going to use it because I want that relationship. But building deep relation, like meaningful relationships, and then knowing that those will support you and you'll support them throughout your life. And then um, the last the last most recently has been a um, uh, we've you know been more uh, more traditional institutional investors. So we have a there's a, another South African family office and there's a private equity firm, and we've also had you know real estate investors who have worked with on our properties. Uh, some banks in here and in Kenya, in South Africa and Kenya. So we've become much more institutional type of investors uh, more recently, but um, uh, it started. It all started off in terms of entrepreneurial start with um, a bit of what I could, but if you don't have money, then it doesn't have to be there. Um, I will say, Vaheen, looking ahead, if I were ever to start uh, um, entrepreneurship again, I would start by going as far as my own money could take me, probably, and I would look for paths, I'd look for ideas or solutions approaches that minimize the amount of external capital one needs for a bunch of reasons. Um, and then if I was raising external capital, I'd raise, try to raise probably substantially what I need, you know, more substantially up front. But um, at the end of the day, you, you know, you, you work with what's available to you. That's what the creativity of entrepreneurship is. Mm-hmm. You, whatever resources available to you, you work with those and you, you, try, to t- you, know, you try to turn them as, as rapidly as you can into, into revenue. Okay, uh, and like that, uh, the, I think this is for a little bit of personal uh, reasons as building the expanded mind and so forth. But mm-hmm. in terms of building your team and so forth, how did that actually come about? How do, how were you able to, should I say, uh, compensate them for the skills and that you, you were able to get funding from family and friends? But how was that building? How did the building actually start? How did you know that, okay, this is the right person I need to hire for this job? This is what I need them to do and so forth. How did you find that out? Yeah, well, I'll say briefly about each of the compensation. Earlier, you know, we had to compensate people. And fortunately, we had enough capital. We could pay some salaries, not not top salaries, but uh, workable salaries. In some cases, entrepreneurs can't. And you can't, and, and it has to be folks who are willing to be part of the entrepreneurial journey and have the capacity to give some time. But we were able to pay some salaries. And then also early on for the very earliest joiners, some equity. So you then, you know, often when you're very in the ground floor, you get some ownership stake in the business that you're, that you're, or in the enterprise that you're building. So that was true for our founding teams as well. Now, um, but it took more, the more important question, also the more, uh, in hindsight, important question is, yeah, is, is the right fit. And I think the earlier you're on, enter, the earlier you're on a journey, the more important it is to have those conversations with those found, your founding teammates and your early teammates about, about their fits, about what their, what their objectives are. Uh, you know, do they want the same things you want? Uh, is, is one building a lifestyle business? Is one building a growth business? They, those have very different journeys and experiences, and if you if you're if you differ in those, you could create some real strain in the relationship, and and therefore it would impact the, what you're building. And so having open conversations about it, and then then most importantly, if you are a driving entrepreneur, or leader, or in any role in an organization, try to find folks who are who who bring skills and experience that you don't have, who complement you, and ideally are better than you. Like the can't tell you how powerful it's been to have a leadership team that is more skilled than I am. Like that's been, that's been awesome. When I think about it in, in my co-founders and building culture with Oliver or in, in uh, Rahel, who's a, a chief of schools and Nova pioneer and her skill in developing and supporting schools, like having skills that I don't have. Um, I, I, I could go across the board and talk about how my teammates are all, all, all more skilled in, in important ways than I am. I, I think that has been singularly the most important thing about building a strong team is, is having really special teammates. Um, uh, hugely important. Okay. I, I like the the whole how it's like this work together for you. It's like it's like 
just mm. built up slowly but surely and everybody mm. saw the mission um and well, I think I've asked you the question before the startup days of Nova Pioneer you, you spoke about how the open day of the Nova Pioneer Monday campus um and I think you need to tell more people the story um of the of this because I did not know it it's, it's so amazing to see that where where it was to where it, came, where it is right now um and if if there was ever like photos that were taken and so forth it would be the perfect moment to like okay this is how, where we are right now it would be like the perfect writing piece i'll look back and see i'll look back and see if i can find it i'll share something yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and love to tell the stories sometime yeah what is the i know that we have the six culture principles but what is one of the things that when you started Nova Pioneer, what is the one of the things that every single day that when you came to the office or the school or wherever you were working with the team, what is one of the things that every morning you used to do with the team? Of course, I, I, that's a good question. Do we do any, any one? I mean, we, I don't know if it's any one routine we always we always done, but we've generally always had some form of a check-in and 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 now we do. And something else we've, we've built in, I learned from one of my co-founders and we built in, and we don't do it all the time, but I find it powerful whenever we do is uh, do what we call shout-outs at the end of a session. And so check-in is usually just a way to, one, break the ice, get us focused on what we're about to do. Let's check in with each other. And the best check-ins are often you learn something interesting and fun about each other. Like, you know, so uh, I, I know you all had just uh, at Nirvana Monday. Second, we just recently had uh, a day when uh, private universities came through and did a share about themselves. And we in, and you all got to uh, meet with them and talk with them. Yes. We're excited about that. So the check-in that afternoon with my, with a, uh, we had a Nova Pioneer leaders call was, tell us about how and when you chose the tertiary institution you attended. And so it was a quick check-in. We went around the circle and everyone shared it. But it, it builds community, it builds connection. And I get to know a different part of your story. So I get through connection. Connection is really important to trust. And trust is a real source of team culture. So that's something we, we've, we've uh, long done at check-ins. And we generally, in most meetings, I couldn't remember Pioneer, unless they're very short meetings, they'll start with a check-in. And it's, it's, it's a version of a do now, you know, for our classroom, classrooms, right? Yeah. But, uh, but it's, a, it's, an, it's a sharing one. And then... Um, to close, we don't do it as nearly as often as I, I think we should, which is shout-outs or gratitude. Essentially, shouting out others, appreciating others, or sharing gratitude for someone else in the organization or something in the organization, mm -hmm. whether they're in the room or not, whether they're part of the call or not. And I think it's a hugely um, positive culture building and, and, uh, and yeah, it's positive culture building and builds appreciation, gratitude, and gratitude is the source of happiness. Like gratitude is the root cause of source of happiness. And so, um, so doing that as a closeout, those are two routines that I think... Um, we use. We don't always always do the, do the We don't. We, we we more. As I said, I would like to do more more often. I would like to more often do the the checkouts and and um and the shoutouts and the uh, gratitude gratitude circles. But those are those are examples of of culture building routines mm. we have as at uh, as Nova Pioneer. I think the audience would like to know. So I know the the Nova Pioneer mission. Uh, what is, what is the overall mission? I knew it from the day I walked into Nova Pioneer for the orientation. They're like, we're gonna build schools across the African continent. And I, I think it was a hundred schools, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but we're going to build that and a hundred schools across the African continent and so forth. And I was like, yes, now that's a mission. Uh, I, I like the mission, uh, but what, what is, I'd like to hear it from you. Like, what is the mission from day one? What, what is like your selling point? What, what is like, okay, we're going to do this. What is your big yeah. statement? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, differentiate between the mission and the vision statements. Hmm. So, mission is to develop 
innovators and leaders who will shape the African century. Yes. That's our mission. It's a timeless mission. So we want to develop innovators and leaders, that is shapers, create an environment which young people learn to shape. And that doesn't mean that other young people can't learn to shape, but it means that our Novaniers graduate and they see capacity in others. And they, you talk about leadership, they can, they can pull together, together that collective capacity towards positive purposes. So innovators and leaders, that idea that's shaping, and then the African century, that we really believe this century, and, and we really believe Africa has a lot to offer the world, and is, we are not yet offering as much, when we are not yet in a position where we have been able to marshal what our possibilities for the world to shape it yes. uh, uh, as much as we need to. And we can, and we will. And so um, that idea, and that came from a, a real reflection on you know, the tremendous youth, youth talent and potential across the continent, but the, the dearth of collective capacity amongst those youth to, to the wherewithal, to turn that into uh, doing well and doing good. So, you know, doing, building prosperity for oneself and, and contributing to the world. And that if we don't do that, if we don't, if we don't develop that kind of creative capacity, there's just not enough jobs for you and your peers to step into. There's not enough. And so you need to be creators of those jobs and opportunities. The solutions are, are there, but they're not yet manifest. So we have to, and if we don't, then we have so many young people and the, the percent of unemployed and disenfranchised young people on this, in this country and on this continent is, is a dire. It's, it's a, it's a, to me, it's a top five world problem. It's not just a South African or African challenge. It's a global challenge. And there are two paths. There's a path of burn it down and there's a path of build it up. And by our mission enables us to be on a path of build it up by getting, by backing young people who have that incredible capacity and vision and energy to do it. So that's what our mission is. The vision is how we make it manifest in the foreseeable horizon. The mission, the mission may take us beyond this hundred years, and it'll still be the African century at that point, right? But the but the beyond, the, the the vision is now what you start talked about, which is the hundred schools, uh, great schools across East, West, and South Africa that are developing uh, novaniers in the in, with the three C's, the vision of a novaniere. And so, when we are far from hundred schools, I, by now I hope we will be at seventy. We are we are at sixteen, uh, going into sixteen into next year, fourteen currently, and so the um so but we, you know we'll still track towards it, and most important is that each of those schools needs to be a beacon of excellence and value. Like each of those schools needs to do a good job, and um and so and the students in it need to be getting outcomes and experiences of an over year, and so that's our mission. That's what we're going to. That's why the mission, and then the vision is is how it's manifest in the foreseeable horizon. Mm. And now we're coming to an end. We're wrapping up this uh, yep. podcast conversation. But we, I just want to speak about teacher appreciation, uh, something that not a lot mm. of people know uh, about. But how do you, as the leader of the group, uh, of the group or education group, um, appreciate teachers how important is it do you actually uh, are you in the classes i know that your schedule is busy it's not possible to sit in every class and just listen to the teacher and give feedback give the comments and grows and so forth but uh how do you how do you appreciate your teachers yeah uh i'm oh like i i spend so i i spend a lot of time thinking about how i can do a better job of that right <laughs> because um um, I, I feel a ton of appreciation. I, I, I try to express a ton of recognition, appreciation, and and for teachers and for my other colleagues too. I, I can't tell you how much of our te- how much our team gives of themselves, teachers and and folks who are who don't have the privilege of, of teaching in classrooms. Um, but speaking about teachers specifically, 
um, how. One is by acknowledging the contribution they make and, I, and trying to acknowledge that I see the contributions they make and, and I value and appreciate the contribution. I'm not just I, Chinese, but organization we do with each other. Two is by uh, trying to create uh, organizations in which we, uh, that appreciation doesn't just come from me. It comes from each other, right? So that we can, we can um, whether it's a shout out or, or gratitude, whether it's a coaching, whether it's not just in verbalizing, but through action, as you said, sitting and observing, taking the time to be thoughtfully reflective and give feedback. Feedback is a gift. It's a, it's a sign of professional love. I care for you and your growth, and I'm helping you grow. It is not an attack. If we have feedback that's an attack, that is not appreciative. If we have feedback that's a gift, even if it's tough feedback, where the intention is to help you grow, that is a sign of professional love and professional commitments to each other, right? And so building a organization when we do that is how I show we appreciate the, prof- the, the professional commitment and contribution. I think about what uh, the, the, the teaching in 2020 during the pandemic, how our teachers showed up with our students. Our students also showed up. But they really showed up in a way that says they, our teachers took sal- salary, um, had salary impact. We all did. Uh, took, uh, they, they put themselves at risk uh, when they had to come to school, when we knew at times when we didn't know, we weren't quite sure how the, what the pandemic was. And, um, and that was an incredible uh, uh, period of demonstration of professional commitments. And teachers do do it partially because of professional commitment, but also just because of our students. Like our teachers love our students, and they give so much because of it. And it our teachers, te- the teachers do in general, right? And so, um, I or I'm constantly my like, and, and yet I I think we don't do a good enough job uh, of making visible the depth of our appreciation. And we, we have finite our resources. We, you know, a teacher can, if if you try, it, it is it is a you can't compensation alone will never meet express the appreci- appreciation. Uh, while it's important, it's never it's it's it will never be adequate. And so, um, I, I don't have I don't have a, a perfect answer. I don't think that we do that well enough, Mahin. I, I you know I, I really wish we had uh, ways to do it. And often I think appreciation when when students make visible to teachers, I I appreciate you. I appreciate X Y Z. Uh, it's hugely powerful. As a teacher, it was the most important source of uh, fulfillment for me. Was when I heard from my students, I observed my students' growth, or heard from them what they appreciate about my, my commitment to them. And so. Um, uh, maybe I could ask those who are listening here, students, parents, others, just to give a shout out to a teacher, write a unsolicited note in which you just say, hey, I, I see you do this and I appreciate it and thank you. Uh, reason why that would be would be huge. Um, but uh, if you have suggestions, it's something I think about a lot and I and I, and I, I wish I could do an even better job of. Uh, yeah, one one suggestion I could give off, off the top of my head yeah. is um, as a group leader, they all understand, yes, we all got jobs and so forth, but the most important thing, and I've learned it through reading other people's books and the type of leader I want to be in, in the near future. Um, and that is making sure that I check in regularly with, with the people. So if they have a problem, they're able to be in a safe space that they know that, okay, I'm, I'm going to be able to correct this and so forth. So m- m- making time for, yes, I'm available if you need to talk and so forth. That that would be like the, mm. the that would be my vision of like okay, how can I help you? Um, I like to go to that good doctor on Netflix. I don't know if you've watched it, but mm. how can yeah, I yeah. help? It's gonna gonna be like kind of like uh, the ultimate question I raise to every teacher. How can I help you? Um, better the teaching phrase. How can I appreciate the work that you do? Because it's not easy. 
and you you were a teacher, so you know that teaching is not easy. You're dealing with a bunch of us that are twenty times. We are sometimes menaces. We sometimes just back chat, and we don't be so hard on yourself, Fahim. But I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that that would be that would be my ultimate like one of the ways that maybe maybe developing something in that way, and uh, that is something that maybe the African generation or Novapanya can be like pioneering in that direction of how can we actually appreciate teachers better than every other school in the world or even in the, in the nation itself that is, that could be one of the questions i would i would target myself and thank you for thank you for both those recommendations no, that, that's those are great thanks for no no problem um uh now we're coming to our traditional wrap-up uh the rapid fire questions mm. and i hope you're ready for them okay. but number one Tell me about the three most influential people in your life and how they've impacted you. Early life, my parents and, and my father in particular, but, but my, my mother and father, so early life, my parents. Um, early, early life. Uh, high school, my mentor, uh, high school and early career, my mentor, a guy named Paul McMurray. He was my mathematics coach, soccer, soccer coach, and an advisor. Um, and hugely uh, was a was a father figure when my father was in Nigeria and I was in the U.S. in boarding school. And right now, my my wife and daughter, I think, are the most influential people in my life. I like like it. Uh, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self, what is one thing you, one piece of advice, just one, uh, what would it be? Always growing and stay interested. Always growing joy of learning. Always growing. It's the trajectory that matters. Keep growing. Um, be proud of what you've done. Keep growing. Humility and growth. And joy of learning. Um, stay interested. In people who are interested are interesting. Um, stay interested. Uh, it, it it opens up the world. Really like that one. Uh, if you could go back, are you a coffee or tea guy, Mister Juju? Okay. Coffee right now. It used to be tea. Now I'm coffee. Okay. Um, if you're co- if you could have a cup of coffee with any historical figure, who would it be? God, that's a really hard one. I'm not sure, but I think uh, uh, what I would probably get the most out of is is an ancestor somewhere along the way. I don't know if it's my Great grandmother, grandfather, or someone. And I don't know if it'd be coffee we'd be drinking or palm wine, <laughs> but it probably actually. I'm, I'm I'm more curious on the Nigerian side only because that history is less documented than the European side, mm-hmm. and so um, yeah, uh, probably either my father's grandfather, or grandmother, or someone like that. I just think yeah, I'm so curious about their life and existence, and that would be awesome. I like it. Um, what what has been your biggest failure, and what what have you learned from it? No, they've been. Uh, I'm constantly failing. There's, there's so many, so many aspects of it. Um, I don't. I it's, I struggle to identify just one as the biggest. And I, I think along the lines, um, uh, the the thing that is, uh, I, it, uh, I'm con- I constantly like get pushed by, or I feel most challenged by my own failures when I feel like we are not. I whenever I walk through one of our schools, for example, I both feel really proud of what we're, of our students and our and our teachers for what we're achieving and excited about what we achieved, but I also feel dissatisfied because I think we can be more. We can we can have better experiences. Our, our students, teachers, and myself, we can all do better, and we can all be you know. There's more to the vision of what we all share, and so um, I think I'm constantly in that in that mix, and so that sort of failure in the sense of like when we're not being our best and how to be better is probably the thing that stays with me the most. But it's not a once off. It's a constant improvement kind of uh kind of journey so very hard one to just pick one thing but but those um but it's the sort of the constant gosh not yet there how do we do better kind of thing that's that's uh, i think is where i grew the most from yeah i can i can relate to that that 
I'm always wanting to improve. I kind of relate yeah. to my brain as AI software that always wants to improve and get better and <laughs> better it. and better. Um, but yeah, uh, what is the most important lesson you've learned over your journey? There are a few, but perhaps the most is the one I mentioned around from the alchemist that the world, when you move towards things that are purposeful or that are in your interests that you're passionate about, the world does conspire to help. And so... Um, I mean, think about it, you think about, it, let's say, let's, I don't know. Yeah. Um, pursue something, uh, pursue things that you find meaningful. It, I'll tell you a funny way of telling the stories. My, my, when I was a kid, I used to complain to my mom that she always made me clean the bathrooms at home. I was always cleaning the bathrooms. And I'd be like, mom, but you're making me clean the bathrooms. I'm the one who always cleans the bathrooms. She's like, but Chase, you're so good at it. So I was like, I was like, oh, that is the worst because I used to get mad because she's telling me I'm cleaning the bathrooms because I'm good at it. So I'm going to do a bad job of it. But um, two offshoots to that. One is that I when when you, if you work on the things you're interested about, you build expertise and experience. You encounter others who share that. That you see possibilities. You discover that there's there's financing that's interested in that. The world conspires to help because you're moving towards it, and then you see it opens up possibilities. So move towards the things you want to spend your life doing. Similarly, do those things well. You know, it's funny. I am. Um, I, when I went to at, at college and I was at Harvard, my job was as a student janitor. That was the job I chose. That was the first job I chose. Wow. I did a couple of other jobs, but I always stayed a student janitor. And part of being a student janitor was cleaning bathrooms. I cleaned bathrooms in the in the residences where other students were, um, were the students. So I did some other jobs in libraries and Sanders Theater and some I always stayed a student janitor. And I tried to do that job really well. I would scrub the showers. I, I remember some these dorms where students would have like these magnetic letters and I'd always leave a message for the students, uh, the other students who were there. And and it, it was, and it, it, paid, it was, I took that job in Parkers. It was the best, best paying job on campus. And I wanted them, I needed some, I needed to earn some money. But a lot of folks doing that job just sort of went in, brushed, brushed the minimum, signed out the maximum hours and left. I always signed in exactly how much time I worked because I always remembered that one day I believed I was going to lead an organization and I would expect other people to be honest about their time mm-hmm. if that was important. And so I was going to be honest about my time uh, when, 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 when no one was watching. I was going to be honest about my time. And then I was going to do the best darn job I possibly could because I remember that thing, you know, it's a Michelangelo uh, – uh, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted the Sistine Chapel, and I got so much out of it because I, I, it was hard work, but I felt I felt good about it, and I and I actually built friendships with uh, folks who were like like who is this dude who's working so hard to actually clean my bathroom? Does he really care? And also when we strike up and we be friends, and it, it wasn't a point of embarrassment that I was cleaning was cleaning students' bathrooms. It was actually a point of joke and relationship and camaraderie. So two things I take from that story were the idea of you know firstly work you know. I, I don't I don't only work in bathrooms. I, I move towards work I wanted to be doing. But the work you're doing, like, do it to the best of your ability and you'll get something out of it. You know, you get something good out of it intrinsically and, and potentially extrinsically as well. Yeah. And I think one quote that sticks in my head, it's kind of like one quote that I keep on my phone at all times is by Napoleon Hill. He says, the man who does more than he's paid for will soon be paid for more than he does. And he doesn't mean monetary. Maybe Napoleon Hill does mean monetary. He was a very wealthy man. But in terms of knowledge, you can consider the knowledge and the networking and the friendships that you could gain from this cleaning. I've, I I work at a pharmacy and I've cleaned vomit. Um, and at one stage, I thought it was a really bad job. Why did I sign up for this? Uh, I deal with people ranting at me because they're not getting better. And I, I started taking pleasure in it. I'm like, um, how can I help you? What can I do better? Um, and 
It's okay. a small pharmacy. I, I, it's think not about a, the patient. Excuse me. The, I was just thinking, think about the patients or the emp- the patients you built or the empathy you built from doing that. That's you growing. That's you're getting paid more than you know. Like the, the quote, the Napoleon Kaufman quote you just mentioned. Absolutely. Sorry to interrupt, but I, that um, really resonates. You get you get more than is obvious. Yeah, it's it's been so great chat, chatting to you today. Um, I've learned so much about you. Likewise. It's this, your journey is, like I say, a Hollywood story. Um, uh, it could be made into a Hollywood story. So any producers out there, please, this is a good story. Um, it's, um, it, it, it reminds me of like an like a upcoming. It's like nobody actually saw this. Um, mm. It's like a story of revelation. Um, so thank you so much, Mr. Chinezi Chijuoke, for coming onto the Expand Mind podcast. It was amazing speaking to you. Thanks, Wahina. Real, real pleasure to enjoy this, uh, enjoy speaking with you. And thanks for taking the time. And I look forward to both our journeys ahead. We've got a lot to learn and a lot to contribute. To our listeners out there, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a five-star rating and review. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and on Twitter at expandable underscore mind. Thanks again, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.